0: because of the Raptors cancellation and I was not that upset about it
1: (laughs) (laughs) sometimes with days off like that like Sundays we don't typically get those days off it's like what what do we do it's like suddenly it's four suddenly it's 8 p.m it just creeps up on you
0: no yeah it it was definitely it was definitely one of those where all of a sudden it was 9 30 but I got a ton of stuff done just like home maintenance so I was pretty pretty enthusiastic about it Toronto! I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. 2-on-0, Wiley-Rostovic, great save by Anderson. Riley stayed onside, the late man Matthews, great move, what a goal. Man. Beauty, Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner, Mitch Marner centering, and into the net, scores! He took fast down and his shot strapped him in the corner of the ring. Alright, here we go. Episode 26 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon at McCarthy 95 at LeafsPod at HockeyPodNet. And a reminder that Not Another Leafs Podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports and how a payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to get a front-row seat of the action. Make a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings paid out more than $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader. In daily fantasy sports, there's no better place to get on the action. What do we want you to do now that you know how to play? Download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN will get a free entry with their first deposit only at DraftKings.com. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. BMAC, what's happening, brother?
1: Hey, buddy, I'm stoked. It's March 1st. Dry feb is completely gone, and in the rear view mirror, so I'm ready to take on this month. It's also my b day month, so I'm pretty biased.
0: oh, very nice, very nice. well, I don't know what do you say when it's not somebody's birthday like yet if you happy wish them happy birthday, birthday after it's like happy belated,
1: yeah, happy early, early b day, but it's not for the twenty two days uh we should mention too it's the uh, jimmy v c edition episode twenty six and
0: couldn't couldn't wait for that.
1: I I was waiting since Saturday to say that. My goodness.
0: uh, I know you like that.
1: Man, historically, the Leafs have done actually considerably well with Matthews out of the lineup. And the first game of a three-game set against the Oilers, they don't have their franchise player in Matthews. They don't have their starting goaltender in Anderson. But, Kenny, we've talked about the three important pieces being Thornton, Campbell, and Muzzin inserted into the lineup and making their impact. And it was clear. Muzzin. My god, he comes back with a face shield, he has a broken bone in his face, played considerably well. Jack Campbell pitches a shutout, 30 saves, haven't played in over a month, huge. And then, of course, the top line with Thornton, Tavares, and Marner was completely on display uh, on Saturday night.
0: Isn't it funny how like top teams can play well with their best players out of the lineup? Like, yeah. you look at the Raptors, yeah. like, very similarly, you know, Kyle Lowry. Over the last two seasons, I believe they've got some sort of weird record where it's like they're 16-0 and 0 in their last you know, games when Kyle Lowry has been out of the lineup. So it w- doesn't make sense, really, that you would be weird. better without your best player in the lineup. But oftentimes that can galvanize the team and make everybody just sort of step up and play that much harder, especially on the defensive end of the floor in basketball. Or in this case, just playing hard in your own zone. And I thought that's what the Maple Leafs were able to do. They were able to get contributions from their other big guys which I thought was refreshing to see. Nice to see John Tavares get a couple points on the score sheet, William Nylander. And they're getting an opportunity to play with Mitch Marner. And you saw what was able to happen with those three on the ice in the first power play goal where Tavares, he won't get like all the credit for it, but he wins the puck battle in the corner, passes up to Nylander who flicks it back to Marner. Marner sort of creates space for himself and then finds Willie who on the seeing eye shot wires one past Mike Smith to give them the early lead and I thought that was the beginning of the end for Edmonton. Like they didn't really seem to have it on that night. Uh, and I thought in general, like I was like, was expecting much more of the top guns out of Edmonton, especially given the fact that they had the last change and were able to avoid the matchups that they wouldn't want to see, which in the past we've seen when Dave Tippett has the last change. He likes to keep McDavid away from Matthews, but you didn't even have to worry about that in this contest because Matthews wasn't in the game, but it didn't seem to matter for the Maple Leafs in this one where they run up the score and end up with a 4 nothing win against what people are touting as the second-best can- team in the Canadian division.
1: Well, it was a a, a great overall win, I thought, because you hold McDavid scoreless. He was a minus three, which, a glaring Yikes. minus three, and a, a backup tendee who shuts out one of the most gifted offenses in the East division. The most goals for, I believe, 79 or 80 goals. Yeah. So, really, for me, what was apparent was the the depth versus lack of depth. Because when the the spearheaded the, the two-headed monster rather isn't gelling in Edmonton, what do they do? They, what are we doing? But the Leafs have so much depth, especially in their bottom six, where they can generate more opportunities when their top guys aren't aren't gelling. And Tavares obviously knew the weight was going to be placed on him more with Matthews out of the lineup. I thought he had a fantastic game: two assists, five shots, and just over 18 minutes of ice time. So he definitely was was carrying the load, as he should. He's John Tavares.
0: No, certainly. And he's been the chatter of a lot of the commentary recently of players who need to perform better. And I thought that, or I think that he's probably trending that way. I thought this was probably Tavares' best game of the season. Is that fair to say, especially given all the criticism that Agreed. he's been facing recently? I thought that he was strong in the puck defensively. I thought he was creating opportunities for himself on the offensive side. And obviously he was engaged winning the one-on-one battles that led to good opportunities for his team in the offensive zone. And that's why you want to see out of Tavares and kind of what we haven't seen out of Tavares all season to this point. Now, we talked on the last pod about who the most critical injury was for this franchise moving forward here and we were both expecting that Muzzin might miss a little bit more time with a facial fracture so nice to see that Sheldon Keefe wasn't uh playing coy when he said that he was going to he wasn't expected to miss a terrible amount of time but obviously great to have him back in the lineup but it's for me Jack Campbell's performance last night just shows the difference of what happens when you have a goaltender that you believe in in net for you and the team obviously believes in Campbell he comes back pitches a shutout in his first game back And was just playing with tremendous confidence. I think this is an excellent, excellent step forward for the Maple Leafs to get Campbell back in the lineup and gives them a little bit of, you know, I don't want to say like a little bit more comfortability with Anderson still out of the lineup because we don't know when he's going to be back. We don't know when Matthews is going to be back. He could be back tonight, but I wouldn't be overly enthusiastic about that. Sheldon Keefe said that he was still limited in practice yesterday. So remains to be seen, but Campbell was outstanding, I thought. And certainly having a backup goaltender that's able to come in and get you a win like that against a team that's been scoring goals by the bunches is very important.
1: Now, some good news for the Maple Leafs. Matthews and Anderson were full participants to an extent at practice yesterday. I know Anderson was, but Matthews yeah, was Keith said, hard in line rushes.
0: Yeah, Keith said that Matthews wasn't playing with his normal line, though, and was limited know? for some drills. So, uh, like, again... It's nice to see that he's on the ice, but if it's the wrist injury, then obviously he's going to be able to be out and skating and such, but it's going to be his release. It's going to be the face-offs. It's going to be the little aspects of his game that are going to be influenced by that and the ways that oftentimes he takes over the game. So nice to see him on the ice. And obviously it can't be super, super serious if he's still practicing with the team, but I'm still skeptical that we would see him tonight, especially after the fact that the team was able to win so handily without him.
1: That's right. And and with Anderson, too, I think it's a wait and see moment, uh, game time decision, really, for, for Anderson. But I'd imagine Keith is going to take things slow with both of those players, considering, Kenny, today is Monday, March 1st. The Leafs have four games in six nights this week, and that means a lot of moving around, a lot of traveling, a lot of different time zones. Not, not drastic, drastic differences in time zones, but they're going to be moving around a lot. So it's a good, it's a good uh, week to kind of slowly transition them back into their game.
0: I would expect that probably we'll see Anderson in one of the legs of the back to back later this week, as they have Edmonton, I believe, on Wednesday, and then it's Calgary on Thursday. So Knox actually. So we'll see uh we'll see what happens with that. Like maybe yeah. the first leg of that, second leg of that, whatever he decides to do. That way you're not riding Jack Campbell too heavily because I don't think that they really want to be starting Michael Hutchinson if they can avoid that. We've discussed that in the prior pod as well. I thought McDavid like really got exposed on the defensive side in this contest against the Maple Leafs the other night. You mentioned he was a minus three. And whenever you're out there against the fourth line of the other team and they're going the other way on you and then scoring like Jason Spezza, the classic come in, fake slap shot. He's been doing that for years. For some reason, goalies are still biting on it. I don't know what the hell. Yeah, I don't know what the hell Mike Smith was doing on that one. It's like he didn't read the scouting report or anything. Anyway, Spezza scores on his patented Sort of odd man rush move. But like he was on the ice. They were on the ice against McDavid on that shift. And like when I look at that, that when your fourth line is out there getting, you know, good offensive chances against the top line or the top player in the world on the other side, you're certainly going to have a really good opportunity to win that game.
1: Yeah. And the Oilers were flying coming in too. I think they won like five straight and the Leafs. Yeah. It
0: was like 11, 11 and two in their last 13, I believe.
1: The low, the Leafs, the loafs, the Leafs road percentage and record has has improved immensely. I think I read something like since mid-January, they're undefeated in regulation. So to do it, again, I've said against the, the second best team in the East Division is incredible. And you're taking on the best player in the world. So I'd imagine tonight there's gonna to be a, a ton ton more pushback from the Oilers. And you know, Tippett's gonna be hammering home the discipline factor and playing heavy because Clearly, the Leafs got the best in them in, in game one.
0: Interesting that you bring up discipline because I thought that, like, the refs, for the most part, didn't call anything. They called the one penalty in the first period, which Toronto was able to cash in on. Nice to see them get back on track with a loaded first unit. We saw, you know, Riley, Tavares, Marner, Thornton. Well, I don't even, I don't even recall if it was Thornton, actually, but it was definitely a Nylander, Tavares, Marner, Riley on the ice for that first power play goal. So nice to see them getting back to that and getting some success on the power play early, but then the rest basically swallowed their whistles for the rest of the game. Like that was it. And comparatively to the last series where it seemed like, you know, Toronto was going on the power play seven times and not getting anything. And then Ottawa or whoever Calgary rather was going on the power play, you know, four times and you're getting 11 penalties in one game. There was a big contrast there for me looking at that. Um, The other part is like, I'm not even sure what to make of like the home ice versus the road ice this year or the home game versus the away game. I know the home team gets the last change, but really outside of that, like it's not really a huge advantage. advantage. So it's kind of hard to make, you know, make sense of like the home record versus the away record as this isn't a traditional split where you're going on the road and there's a hostile crowd, but that goes the same for the home games. It's like you don't really have a huge advantage outside of the fact that you know the facilities better and you're in your own locker room. And some of these guys aren't even in their own locker room. Sheldon Keefe said the main police are using three or four different locker rooms to dress their players so that they can keep the distancing in effect. It's so,
1: more, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to say when they're since Jan 16th or whatever, because of, of the crowd, like it's more just routine, your, your day-to-day preparation Yeah, and yeah, just your familiarity with that facility, I, I guess would play a factor, but you got to think players are more, familiar in their in their home ranks and that would kind of generate that play but maybe we'll we'll kind
0: of well it's kind of like how tampa bay right it's kind of like how tampa bay played in the super bowl it's like the thing that matters for them is that there's a big pirate ship in the corner of the end zone that's really the only you know contributing factor to yeah. understanding the stadium or whatever the familiarity is that you're just like comfortable with stuff like that but Um, One more thing to touch on before we move into what to expect out of the game tonight or we move to around the league or whatever the hell it is we're going to (laughs) do. I I thought this was a really tough night for Darnell Nurse. Yeah. I thought that he got exposed more than once on Marner's goal where he came in and shot it. Like it was Nurse who was defending him one on one and didn't really commit to blocking the shot. Hyman goes into the corner late in the game, beats Nurse one on one with the puck and then comes out and scores the goal. And then I believe as well that on the penalty kill, it was Darnell Norris who was in the crease and sort of jammed up Mike Smith on the opening goal of the game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is supposed to be a guy that's got to be our number one with Oscar Clefbaum out. I thought last night was a good example of what the Oilers are missing, having their top you know, minute munching defenseman out of the lineup and a really tough night for Don, Darnell Nurse on the score sheet. And uh, just in the optics, like when you're looking at the way the goals were scored and his positioning and his role in sort of all of them, I thought it was a terrible game for him.
1: I mean, he made Hyman look like a 40, 50-point top six winger because I know we tried to lay off of him a bit to not take a penalty, but Hyman just streaked streaked in and went shelf. And this is this is against their a bona fide top two defenseman in Darnell Nurse.
0: Certainly, and I would expect the Oilers as well, like after a pretty quiet game from McDavid and Dreisaitl, I would expect uh, those two to be fired up tonight. So Toronto's going to have to re-rack, reset, and be ready because I don't think you're going to get, you know, definitely not a shutout, but you can expect that, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to be pissed off at the way that they got routed on Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada and are going to be coming back with a strong effort in the contest tonight.
1: Yeah, man. Luckily, we're gifted with so many Leafs-Oilers matchups, but do you imagine we had one or two matchups and Matthews or McDavid wasn't available for one of them and you had tickets? Yeah. Shoot.
0: Anyway, let's go to around the league. (laughs) Congratulations to Patty Kane, who scores number 400 of his career. uh, Likely... Probably the best American player of our generation, although I think Austin Matthews might have a say in that by the time he's all said and done. But just been an absolute treat to watch on the ice throughout his career.
1: I think he's the best American-born skater in this century. I think that's got to be fair.
0: Yeah, probably. Maybe, like, I think Medano would
1: like something to say about that. But... Well, when you
0: say skater, though, like Medano, I think, was the better all-around player. Obviously, plays center ice position rather than the wing, which is usually... You know, people give that the edge. But as far as skating ability and speed and just like what they're able to do in the telephone booth with the puck, I, don't, I think it's tough to say that there's anybody seconds to Patty Kane in those sorts of aspects of his game.
1: And he's still just racking up the points. I mean, here, here's the young. He hasn't slowed down he's at all. all. No, it's like 2011. He's top five in scoring. Ten years later, you got Matthews, Marner, Drysaddle getting 50 points. And here's here's Kane just lingering around. He's like, I'm still here. I'm still fresh as ever. So, congrats, 400 goals, man! It's been remarkable to watch Kane throughout his career.
0: He's like the only contract that they signed after their cup runs that didn't go stale, really. Yep. Like Seabrook went stale. Keith is like well into the back nine of his career. Well, so far away from eating, you know, 32 minutes a playoff game, and when he was on the ice, nobody was going to score a goal. Like, and then you look at you know Jonathan Taves on the other side, who has missed a number of time they basically the whole season this year because of some off the ice stuff that nobody's is really privy to the details of. So, man, it's so impressive when you look at like the aspects of that or when you look at the fact that the rest of the contracts haven't really gone so well. That makes it even more impressive what Kane has been able to do for the Chicago Blackhawks. Did you see Jordan Bennington melt down the oh, other yes. night after getting yanked?
1: <laughs> I thought My we were gonna goodness. see a little Felix Pop goalie fight action. We've seen it before in the Battle of Alberta most recently last year, but he was just going on. He wanted to take on the whole team.
0: Yeah. And all the, all
1: the sharks are like, what do you want, man? Come on. I think Dubinick was, was chirping him afterwards, saying, like, I'm not gonna take a take on a guy who's like a buck sixty-nine,
0: but <laughs> yeah, he's like a hundred this guy's like a hundred and sixty-five pounds, you know, soaking wet. Um, I think it was kind what of exacerbated by the fact that on the away uh, bench in San Jose, there's not enough room for the backup goaltender. So I don't even know where the hell the backup goaltender was sitting for the Blues, but he was like sitting like down the Zamboni tunnel, <laughs> and what so Bennington has to skate by like the whole opposing team to get to the tunnel. And I don't know what the hell he was saying to Eric Carlson, but he kind of like
1: faked him out. He yeah, he faked him out with like, the blocker.
0: Rock. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's, you know, going at Dubnik. I don't think that's a matchup that Bennington would win, but I also think they realized at that point that they probably weren't going to drop the gloves. Anyways, I like it puts his team in a bad spot too, because at that point they're down four to three, and then he gets a two-minute minor for unsportsmanlike conduct, which I thought was completely appropriate given the way they left the ice. Just surprising to see that out of uh, out of Bennington for me that at that point in the game, just get the hell off the ice and come out better next game.
1: Hey, how about James Van Reemsteke? We talked about streaky scorers, but man, I think he has like 7 points in the last 4 games I was watching Philly and Buffalo yesterday a little afternoon Sunday hockey and man, he had a great tip-in that was he was like a couple meters away from the net, made it look so easy like he does like he's been doing it before. He looks like he's it's his first couple years in Philly, like young early 20s, James Van Riemsdyk. he's top 10 in scoring. And man, watching that watching that matchup yesterday, Buffalo was just so deflated. It was just awful. <laughs> it was giving me a headache. Awful to watch. Just they have nothing going right now. And that's gonna be one of our little topics in around the, the league. But man, just so much division on and off the ice. It's it's just flabbergasted.
0: It's a disaster. I don't wanna just berate Buffalo again because I know we did that last week, but they're a complete train wreck. But now uh,
1: Kruger and Eichel are contradicting like it keeps blowing up, man. So it's 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 a disaster in Buffalo. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we might have to bring back the rumor mill at some point yes, here because I, I, I keep seeing all the different propositions of trades for Jack Eichel, and it is laughable. Like from from everybody, and so it's going to take a ton to move this player to get this player into your organization. But also for Eichel's sake, you better hope they start scoring some goals and putting up some production this year to make it more attractive. Because I think that obviously everybody knows what he's capable of. But if he goes on a little bit of a heater here, that might expedite the trade process a little bit more because nobody wants to trade for a guy who's like struggling at this point in time during a pandemic, when you're likely going to miss him for a week or two of your lineup. And certainly you have to feel that a lot of the Canadian teams would be hesitant to make a deal based off the fact that you're going to be giving up a lot for him. And then you're just going to have a giant hole in your lineup. Like while you're waiting for these players to come up, come up North, right? Like, look at what happened to the jets with Pierre-Luc Dubois. He basically didn't play for, two plus weeks and that gets the injuries so here without him for basically the first three weeks after the trade.
1: Well, let's hop to tweet of the day because your tweet regarding the Sabres and it's pretty good.
0: Okay so mine is from a NHL watcher Taylor Hall speaking of the Sabres hasn't scored since the first game of the regular season that's 18 straight games without a goal one month and two weeks ago. Hashtag let's go Yikes. buffalo. Yeah, Taylor Hall is out here as well talking to the media about like extensions. He's like, Yeah, I'd be willing to sign oh, an extension yeah. with Buffalo. And I'm like, why the hell would Buffalo offer you an extension right now? <laughs> like, why Yikes. like what what do you want? So I'm like, what do you think you're gonna get paid? I can't imagine on the open market right now that Taylor Hall would get more than you know six point five million, you know, on a on an extended deal. Because the production hasn't been there, he had the one Hart Trophy season, but it's kind of like, well, what have you done for me lately? That's I true. don't know. Like he's, he's been, been, like he's had an opportunity flat. with another great player in Buffalo, and I know that's Buffalo, so take that with a grain of salt. But I wouldn't be forking out money for this player in a flat cap situation, and given the streaky production he's had throughout his career,
1: it's weird, man. Because they have their franchise center, they have a couple of streaky forwards, in particular Oliverson. They got Dalene and Ristolein on the back end. I don't think their goalie depth is as good. but you think they'd be good with these pieces. But, man, it's it's been a nightmare. I'm going to go with uh, Michael at the Leafs IMO. He goes, imagine telling a Leafs fan in 2011 that all three of these guys would one day play for the Leafs. And it's a shot of Tavares, Thornton, and Spezza just talking on the bench, coming up with schemes. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't have believed you. Back no. then when Mikhail Grabowski and Nikolai Kuhlman were on our third line, wouldn't, wouldn't have believed you.
0: Are those all former first overall picks as well?
1: Yeah. No, well, Spezza was second, I think, right? I
0: think well, was yeah. I I, I got to go back to the archives to check yeah. it out. But, but,
1: yeah, top two picks.
0: Yeah, uh, unreal. Yeah, and they're all contributing, which at this point in his career, I think, uh, I think especially for Thornton and Spezza, it's been refreshing to watch what they've been able to do in the depth parts of the lineup or for Thornton playing on that first line. Like, he's basically a point-of-game player this season when he's been able to stay in the lineup. Now, I know the injuries have been an issue. He's kind of been in and out, but you expect that from a guy who's, how old is he, 42, coming up on 43 years old. So you expect him to miss some time in and out of the lineup. But I've been so impressed by that addition and by Jason Spezza's play to this point in the season. Just very comfortable in his role, playing playing on the fourth line and is giving you a little bit of offensive flair every once in a while, which is uh, exactly what they need of the depth scoring on this roster.
1: Time for a bevy, man. Let's go to the library. Bye. I'm thirsty. Got me sitting at a bar on the
0: inside, waiting for my ride on the outside. She stole my heart in the trailer park, so I jacked the keys to her fucking car, and crashed that piece of shit, then stepped Guess away. Guess it was meant to be romantic misery so much for memories and now i'm headed to the
1: penitentiary see me on tv the next cop series i am a danger i am gonna go with colin morikawa and man he has been such a stud he's only 23 and he won the wgc workday yesterday and interesting to note he he, he joins tiger woods as the only two golfers under 25 to win wgc and a major so, pretty remarkable company. And on the note of Tiger, uh, wishing him well too, because that was a horrific accident last week. And we're wishing the goat well. And it was great to see all the players wearing red shirts yesterday.
0: That's who I was going to go with. Actually, was uh, Rory McElroy. And he's just having a having a bevy thinking about his good friend on the tour, Tiger Woods, who obviously went through the car accident earlier this week. I thought was a very, very classy tribute by all the players on the PGA to wear the black and red. McElroy in particular, I thought wore the look very well. It's good to see the solidarity for the best to ever do it in their sports and the way that they rally around their companion, who obviously is going through another difficult stretch in his career. So, wishing all the best to tiger woods in this speedy recovery as uh he moves through the next challenge of his his life and his career which uh has been has been difficult as times
1: it has been man it has been but uh yeah really great to see the the golf world come together and uh it wasn't the best start to the year with, with that news but uh you know it looks like he's been responding quite well and communicating quite well it's going to be a, a long road to recovery but all uh all prayers going to Tiger Woods this week and this month. What
0: well, do you got on the dock for the rest of the day here, buddy? A little that hockey tonight with Gino Retta. Oh yeah, 7 Eleven that's oh, hockey. Oh that's yes, guy. Hockey, don't don't I tell Jim Taddy. I will guy I w- that I said that he'll be uh, he'll be upset.
1: I will not be eating pizza from 7-Eleven. Doesn't look that appetizing, even though it's on every intermission commercial. Probably gonna go with Domino's tonight, but it is a late game, remember Kenny. So uh get those uh Get those energy drinks going early to stay up.
0: Buddy, you know I love a late game because I'll be working this evening. I'll probably be out of work around 9 o'clock. So the later the start, the better for me. I I can come home. I'm actually now – I know we're alternating this, but I'm actually doing dry March now because I did dry January and then things got out of hand again in wet February. So we're going to tighten it up a little bit again now for March, and maybe this will just be – a thing moving forward, go on a month off a month, but certainly uh, I'll be pressing reset now giving my liver a little bit of a break. So uh, only the uh, pomegranate sparkling sodas for me watching the Oilers Maple Leafs tonight
1: interesting man well 31 days so that's even more noble than me it's 28 days in feb so you got a long month buddy
0: yeah yeah i should have considered that maybe beforehand i might sneak a beer and just not tell my girlfriend while i'm at the brewery but uh, i'm certainly not gonna be able to be drinking while i'm at home
1: yeah we'll keep it we'll keep it hush hush
0: that's the hard thing how am i supposed to go a month without drinking when i work in a brewery
1: at a brewery that's tough man Jeez. like
0: the like the brewer's always like hey try this what do you think oh my god like I, I'm like, am I gonna be like a wine sommelier where I just take a sip and then spit it in the sink? Like it seems disingenuous to do that. It's Like, I is there, I is it, am I going to offend the brewer if I take a sip and I just spit it out? And he's like, is it that terrible? Yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm not drinking. It. They're gonna be like, well, why, why do you work here then? <laughs> it's
1: like, all right, I'll see myself out.
0: Thanks for listening to episode 26 of Leafs pod on the hockey podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at can't on at McCarthy, 95 at Leafs pod. We'll catch you next time.